Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning. And as you can see on the screen, I'm very, very ambitious today. Um... And what we're going to be speaking about. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the churches in Galatia, which are, in our understanding, kind of the western part of Asia Minor, or the eastern part, rather. And there were problems with people coming in speaking things that were not part of the truth. And they had come from the uh, Palestine, from Jerusalem, and were confusing the Gentile churches and causing them to have quite uh, an uproar and to feel very bad about things because they were trying to enforce the law of the Jews upon the Gentiles that had become Christians. And you know, when we read the Bible, we're reading words, aren't we? And those words all mean something. They're, they're very important, each one of them. And what was going on is the gospel was being presented, but it had certain addendums that men had put there. And that was out of order. And we've been... I think two or three uh, Sundays we've been looking at Galatians. We're now in chapter 2. I'm reading from the American Standard Version that would be considered the antiquated version. I like it because it makes some corrections that I don't have to stumble over. But um, it's on the screen, and uh, and when uh, Alex is questioning what I said, he goes to the Greek, and then you can see it for yourself. It's good to have visitors with us today. Enjoy this and listen to what I'm saying because I believe that every word of Scripture is is necessary. Old Testament and new. Without the old, the new wouldn't even be a good novel. Okay? Because you don't know where you've been. You don't know where you're going. We have to have the Word of God, the oracles of God, complete and understand and understood in that way and here we're going to start right off with a little bit of a question in verse 11 you see peter's or, or uh, paul's been talking about a lot of the things that he's been doing when he was converted what he did his uh, travels his experience and in chapter two it begins with the 14 years later after he had been up in uh, uh, Damascus and Antioch he went down to Jerusalem by revelation because there was a council there meeting considering, concerning the issue of do we bind the law upon the Gentiles or not well of course the apostles were not teaching that 
that was other people that were teaching that within the churches and causing a, a stir. So they were going to have a meeting. They wanted to have a decision, and a letter was sent out and all of that that is not in our text here, but it is in Acts chapter 15 about the same thing. But there's always going to be a question about when Peter visited Antioch. Uh, I think, uh, and it's recorded here in Galatians 2.11 that we'll read, when did it actually occur? And it's not necessary that we actually know if it was, it would be there, but here's the two options before us. The option, the first option is this, that this occurred sometime very soon after the Jerusalem Council, the meeting, the letters sent out that told the Gentiles they did not need to come under the law of Moses to become a Christian or to remain a Christian or to be a Christian. And there were other, other uh, things in there too. In Galatians 2, 2 we read that in Galatians 2. Uh, first part of the chapter, and in Acts 15 to for an even. Or the second is that it is, and I just read about this here not too long ago from a, um, a man who wrote a, quite, a, uh, quite a treatise on the, um, the, the years of the early church from Pentecost to 70 A.D. That was the end of the, uh, the Jewish age. Uh, and he claims that this might be a flashback. In other words, this is something that occurred before the Jerusalem Council. Well, <clears throat> I think the second option is possible, <clears throat> but maybe not the most acceptable narrative. I don't know that it's incredibly important, but if the first option is true, that, that uh, Peter... Uh, came to Antioch after this meeting, shortly after. And these things transpired that we're going to read about. <clears throat> then it really shows us the continuing struggle in this Judaizer problem. Not only that, there was a lot of weighty stuff going on. And there was, they had a strong argument. It was based on, it was based on their opinion or how they felt as Jewish people, but yet it was still an emotional exchange. But if this happened after, and it just may have, and even after the letter had been sent out from the apostles that were there, and a good deal of more, the elders of the Jerusalem church and the church itself all approving this, with the apostles approving this that had the very mind of Christ. And this letter was sent to the Gentile churches. And we were talking about it this morning in, the, uh, in our adult class, Acts chapter 15. And I wondered, maybe, you know, they may have scribed a number of letters with each individual church that Paul was going to go to as a personal scribed letter to each one. I don't know if that's happened or they just read one. But it would be kind of nice, you know, if they maybe would have written one to the church and left it with them. I don't know. I'm just speculating that. But they heard. They heard the letter, at least they heard it read from 
the Apostle Paul, Barnabas, and two other men from the Jerusalem church that were actually New Testament prophets in that day. Silas and Judas. If nothing else in this narrative that Paul recites, we find a perfect example of the power that is a burden to each one of us, men and women, when it comes to previous religious beliefs. We call it, you know, in fun or jest, we call it baggage. What we always were taught, or, you know, the phrases that I've heard and you've heard your whole life. What I was taught. And, you know, I think probably everyone in this room was probably taught by people that thought they were doing the very right thing, and they may have been. But sometimes people make mistakes, and they've been a little misled too. I think the Judaizers who began in the sect of the Pharisees that were converted to Christ, they really thought they were doing something for God. They must have believed in this effort, even though they were taught and overruled by the apostles themselves, yet they persisted for some time. But it, but it shows us the power of previous religious beliefs. And it also shows us the fear that we have of falling out of favor with our friends and our family. You don't think this is a powerful emotion? It is. And many times it, it guides and, and makes our decisions a whole lot harder to make. But we must put the truth of the gospel first. You know, Paul and David mentioned this in the class this morning. When, da when uh, Paul wrote to the Roman church in chapter 1, verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. There were a lot of Jews that were ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And, he, and for him to say that, he had to overcome a whole lot, didn't he? He was a Pharisee, son of a Pharisee, a high official in, in the kingdom, in, in the land of Israel amongst the Jews. He was a prosecuting uh, individual. He took Christians to prison in the days before he met Jesus. So, don't think that this is an emotional issue. Don't just write it off as, as somebody didn't know what they were doing. There's a lot of emotion here. There's a lot of problems here. But the truth of the gospel that Paul mentions here in our reading today is paramount. It was paramount for him and for the apostles, of course, and it should be for every Christian. In other words, the truth of every word and every part of God's word. So let's look at the power of the Judaizer's influence. And we're going to find it right here in verse 11. And then my, uh, my text says Cephas, and of course that's referring to Peter, the Apostle Peter. 11 through 14 to start with. But when Cephas came to Antioch, <clears throat> excuse me, I resisted him, 
to the face because he stood condemned. That's pretty harsh. But there's a reason. Verse 12, For before that certain came from James, he ate with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing that that, that were fearing they them that were of the circumcision, that is the Jews. And the rest of the Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that even Barnabas was carried away with their dissimulation. This is a grave situation when you think about it. You see what was happening? A division, a one that you could see with your eyes. They had a room they were eating in, and the Jews went and sat over here and left the Gentiles over here. Now, if you were a Gentile, how would you feel about that? Maybe they didn't even stay in the, whole, in the same room because that was the Jewish law. They didn't eat with the Gentiles in their homes. Okay? I want you to understand the power of, of the emotion here that was causing this. But when I saw Paul, but when Paul saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Cephas before them all, If thou being a Jew livest as do the Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, how compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? Well, in Paul's normal uh, response here, he always goes immediately to the point. You'll notice there's no answer here from Peter. It's kind of hard to answer that question, isn't it? Because you've been doing all the physical things that people are seeing that's causing an issue that you know better. If you read uh, in Acts chapters 10 and 11, you'll find how Peter was taught by God himself from heaven concerning the Gentiles. Remember the sheet came down from heaven and the unclean animals came down and a voice from heaven said to Peter, kill and eat. And he refused three times. Never have I eaten. Never have I, as the un, unclean touched my lips. And at the end of that third time, God said from heaven, what I have called clean, you do not call unclean. And the next thing that happened, there was a knock on the door downstairs. Peter was on the roof. And men from Cornelius, the Roman centurion, who was a believer in God, a faithful, righteous man in God's sight, a Gentile, they came to get Peter to take him back. And Peter started to understand all of these things. I'm just giving you just a little extra information there. By the way, we see some things here in this passage. Paul is unwavering on this issue. Remember what he said back in the first part of chapter 2. He gave not an inch to these people when, they, when he first met them. 
They came to him, Brother Paul, here's what we need to do. These people need to be, uh, they need to be circumcised. They need to come under the law as, as we are. Can't you see that? And he says, no, not an inch. I can't see that. That's not the truth of the gospel. Okay? By the way, Paul is talking to the Apostle Peter here. Has anyone in this room ever heard that Peter was the first pope? In other words, the ruler of the Christian faith? Oh, I hate to tell you, that's probably not the case. You see, there's no hierarchy within the apostles of Christ, except one, the Lord himself. He is the one that speaks through the apostles. And yet, all these apostles had their own, they had free will. All right? Remember, and this is the point, that Paul understood, and so did Peter and the rest of the apostles, that God's truth, all the way back into Genesis chapter 1, all the way through, God's truth is always the highest authority. The truth of Scripture is always the last word, because it is the first word. And even the apostles... Uh, understood this. What did Paul say in the first chapter to the churches in Galatia? In chapter 1, verse uh, 8, I think it is. But though we, speaking of another message, but though we or an angel from heaven should preach unto you any gospel other than that which we preached unto you, let him be anathema. He's saying even if I come with another message, you're to resist it. You're not accepted. Why? Because there can only be one truth. You know, we live in a world where they tell us that truth is subjective. Your truth may not be my truth. Your experiences, you know, makes your truth. And no, I'm sorry. <laughs> if you've lived long enough in this world, you know that that's not true. <laughs> if you live like that, you, you go, you'll never make a right decision. Because you wouldn't know which way to go. Verse 12, in this verse, where it speaks of James, coming, coming from James, come from James, this verse does not make James, the elder in the Jerusalem church, one of the elders, the chief of the Judaizers. It does not do that, even though some have claimed that it does. It simply says that they came from the assembly in Jerusalem. The assembly in Jerusalem. That's where they came from. There's no question about that. But you see, in chapter 15 of Acts, it makes it very clear that they had no authority from the apostles to bring that message to the Gentile churches. They went out on their own to do that. Well, there's a whole lot of folks still going out on their own not taking the apostles' message to the people. We don't call it uh, uh, Judaizing anymore, although it touches on it. But it goes, it, it, it's, it's a virus, if you will. It's everywhere. 
The problem was started, of course, with the sect and of the Pharisees, Acts 15:5 in Jerusalem. Now, verses 13 and 14 that I read, it has the phrase, according to the truth of the gospel, and that's what I'm trying to emphasize. The truth of the gospel is the truth. And what it, what it says is very clear. And we're gonna, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures that will fill in that and give, give that truth all the evidence that it needs. The phrase is the focal point of Paul's debate, I, I believe, in this issue that brings, really brings a, a de facto division within, within the assembly of Christians. And whenever that happens, friends, we got, we got an issue, we got a problem on our hands. Because that is the opposite of what we read about the church. You see, there's, there's one Lord, one baptism, one body, you see, one faith. That's right. There's one gospel, not two. Not one with, with, uh, with a uh, addendment of ten other things that are also necessary. We don't, you know, we can write those constitutions things for us as people. But we don't hold them as sacred or from God. They're based on things that I believe are good. But it drives... This issue was driving a physical wedge, and I say physical because they were talking about physical things, how the food you eat, circumcision for the men, and, and on and on it goes. They were driving that physical wedge into a spiritual reality, and that spiritual reality is namely the body of Christ. Christ is not divided. What is his is his. It can't even be touched, but it can be drawn away. It can be, you can remove yourself. Because these people, were, the Judaizers are trying to convince these people that what they were preaching was true, but it was false. And that was according to the apostles. And yet Peter and even Barnabas because of the pressure, the peer pressure, if you want, or whatever, the, the pressure of being a Jewish person 2,000 years ago, I can't even imagine what it would be like, but I can very well, I can sympathize with it. It didn't mean they were hateful. It meant that they felt they were disapproved by God if they did certain things. And it looked like it was hateful to the others. The offense could not continue. And that's why the Lord had his apostles, all 13 of them in this case, in the world of men. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. Ephesians 3, 1 through 6. For this case, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, Jesus, on, in behalf of you Gentiles. If so, be that you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given me to you toward your, how that by revelation was made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote before in few words. That word mystery is very key here, friends. Whereby, when you read, 
You can perceive my understanding in the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known unto the sons of men, as it hath been now been revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets in spirit, in the spirit, to wit that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in in Christ Jesus through the gospel. That's the key, fellow partakers of the promise. That's not the law, that's the promise of God made to Abraham. In Christ Jesus before or through the gospel, that is the gospel message, Wherefore, I was made a minister according to the gift of that grace of God which was given me according to the workings of his power. It was a mystery before the gospel was preached, but not after. People still are talking about the mystery of the faith. Friends, the mystery was revealed here. 2,000 years ago, all the mystery there was, that God had kept a mystery for many, many years, was now revealed through, through the gospel. So the gospel is not just another thing out there, another one or two lines of creed that floats around out there, and you can either say yay or nay. The gospel is God's, God's uh, word and the mystery revealed unto the world. What had Peter said? Before he preached Jesus to the Gentiles in Cornelius' home, let's go to Acts 10, verse 34 and 35. This is what Peter had said before because it was obvious to him that this was going on. You see, he's had the vision. He saw the sheep, the animals. God told him what I have made clean. You don't call unclean. And Peter said, after he'd heard Cornelius say and tell him why he called him. And Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is acceptable to him. Acceptable to what? To hear the gospel to find God's way of reconciliation for men and women back to him through Christ. Peter knew it, didn't he? Of course he knew it. And yet we still find we still find an emotion within him because of the Jewish his his nature and his makeup. But he understands the work of God, the mystery solved. God was going to make two one in Christ. Can we appreciate that? I think we should. But many times it seems like that's religion or that's something that's abstract. No, it's not abstract. It's life. It's what's happening everywhere all the time. God's kingdom is the literal true kingdom. It's spiritual, but friends, if we're not aware of it, we're in a place that we really don't want to remain. 
Now, as we go to the next two verses, Paul is really going back into the teaching mode, kind of rehashing what they all knew, they all should have known, but they need to remember because they're drifting, they're drifting, sitting, not, not associating with the Gentiles during meals. Would that also mean that during the assembly that they wouldn't have the Lord's Supper together? They wouldn't pray together? How far does it go? Well, I know how far it goes, and you do too. Before it's over, they're not even talking to each other, right? That's where it was going. Paul's talking now about what, what is justification because <laughs> you see if the Gentiles were justified and, and the Jews were justified, there should be no division. Chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. Paul's still speaking, and I think Peter's right there along with many others. Paul is saying, but we, because a good deal of the people there were, were Jewish people, not all, but, but we being Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, you see, that was the Jewish thinking, yet knowing that a man is not justified by the works out of the law, is what the true wording there is, justified um, yet knowing that a man is not justified out of the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ, even we believe on Christ Jesus, that we might be justified through faith in Christ and not out of the works of the law. Because the works of the law, because in the works of the law, um, shall no flesh be justified. And in verse 17, But if, while we sought to be justified in Christ, we ourselves also were found sinners in Christ, is Christ a minister of sin? He's trying to show clearly if they can't preach those two different gospels. It's either one or it's none. There is no other gospel. Now, what's the idea, of course? You, yet knowing that, he starts it. Yet knowing that. In other words, this is things that they all knew. So why the problem? Well, yet knowing that, that justified not, we no one man is justified out of the works of the law. That is the royal law, the law of the Jews. In Acts 15, Peter made it, or James actually, made it clear. The Jews never could follow the law. They failed at, at every corner, at every turn. They needed sacrifices and have their sins rolled ahead. They weren't able to live by the law, and yet, how could the Gentiles then be forced into what? More failure? The law was not the law was not made that it would be forced upon the Gentiles. Cornelius was a Gentile. He was a Roman centurion, and yet 
the scripture says that he was righteous apart from the law. His heart, who he was, who God knew he, who he was. Friends, we've we got to be careful defining things if we don't understand the full gravity of it, if we can't see as well as God sees. The other hand is, but through faith, not by faith, but through faith. That's our faith. Our faith in the faith. And the faith is all that, all that is in, in the, the framework of Jesus Christ in his being Messiah. Through that faith, our faith in the faith, through that we have redemption. And just reread those verses yourself and and find the uh, he lay it's laid out perfectly as far as an understanding how your mind should work so if everyone knew this why the problem well i think the problem is exactly what i said before it's the idea of peer pressure and those who were, were people out there saying that you're wrong we need to be Obedient to the law. You see, the law was still in place until 70 A.D. when all that was part of the law in the covenant was brought to an end by the destruction of Jerusalem and, and God's judgment upon the Jews. And the presence of Christ was there as judge. Acts 17, read who the judge is. God has given judgment into the one he raised from the dead for the Jews. With the apostles on thrones judging Israel. Not sometime in the future. That's occurred. But what's left? The kingdom of Christ, the church, the kingdom of God. That's what the scripture teaches. So the conclusion is, out of the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. God never said that it would be. He said, these are the requirements for the covenant that you have now. Do these things and do them properly. Whether Jew or Gentile. Faith, uh, the Jew or Gentile cannot obey the law and be justified regardless of who you are. But faith, your faith in the faith, brings action to the minds and hearts of men. And our response to God's offer, that is the gospel. You see, our faith brings us to an action. We don't just stop there. It causes us to go on, doesn't it? Our minds and our hearts race with anticipation. And our response to God's offer through the gospel brings us to an obedience to his terms of pardon. His terms of pardon are all all about who Jesus is to you and the blood of Christ and the things that you must do to be brought under the blood of Christ. 
It's the blood of Christ that saves us, friends. When we participate in our the Lord's Supper, we are reaffirming that. It is, as Jesus said, genuine food and genuine drink. Life. Life. There's only life in Christ. Outside of that, there's nothing but death and separation from God. So we're saved through the blood of Christ and through the blood of Christ all are justified. And that's as far as I'm going today. But just consider this. And we'll move on with more explanation of what was said. Because this is a serious subject and as Galatians continues through the uh, conclusion of chapter 2 and then on into 3 and 4. It just builds and builds on all the evidence that we have and need. But the key is we just need to commit ourselves to the fact that if God's Word says it, we need to do it. If the Word means what it means, then let's take it seriously and don't add anything to it. That's all the apostles were trying to do here. And I am so very fortunate that they did. What would it be like today if the apostles had given in to that? You think things bad now? Well, thank you for your attention. Um, we're going to have our song of consideration today. To God be the glory. And a closing prayer. Thank you. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.